1: Hey Southern California, this is Pastor Rob McCoy for SoCal Live, but today we're calling it Liberty Station, and you have just boarded the Freedom Train. Uh, I'm a pastor in Thousand Oaks, California, and I'm the guest host today, and I have been enjoying being with the folks in San Diego, and now uh, Los Angeles, you join us, and it's good to be with y'all. Last hour we had Dr. Keith Rose, who had shared with us about the efforts in Afghanistan to uh, get American citizens out, all being done by veterans and and private people. And uh, it almost seems as though our administration doesn't talk anything about that. But uh, it was so good to hear from Dr. Keith. And then watching as our state here in California, uh, possible recall of the governor and watching Larry Elder rise in the polls well over 25 percent. And and as we're seeing this, we're also watching as mandates are coming down that our first responders, who were once considered heroes as they contended with the virus, and now they don't want an experimental injection, and now they're going to get fired. So they go from heroes to being fired, and we're watching medical segregation, apartheid, occur in our state. All of this is happening, and it's so critical. But yet, as Christians, and I'm a pastor, I was also the mayor of the city of Thousand Oaks, and and bringing politics and the pulpit together and looking at this and some folks say well you know the church really shouldn't have any role in this well I couldn't disagree more uh, that this is this is my life I, our folks in in Thousand Oaks are contending on behalf of their neighbors we love our neighbors and they're active in the school boards and in the city council and contending and helping these first responders have a voice and here in California the church needs to wake up we have a responsibility and I'll tell you. Uh, my heart soared in the midst of this trial as I had shared in the first hour when the county came after us as a church and wanted to shut us down because we had the audacity to stand upon our First Amendment rights. And we'd had no cases of COVID, but yet with a virus that has a 99.5% survival rate and this governor establishing an emergency order that has gone way past the 60 days he has authority for – they came after us, and they wanted to find us and shudder us, but they finally gave up, even though we were in contempt and had to be brought before the judge and we cross did a cross complaint they 're finally backing off, and, and they 're starting to realize that they 've overstepped their reach, and the churches are pushing back and standing on behalf of their neighbors, for the the abused who 've been quarantined with their abusers, for the elderly who 've had to die alone. For the business owners who've lost their livelihood as their businesses have been shuttered, not, not Costco, not Amazon, but little small businesses, they've been pummeled here in the state, and Californians are sick of it, but it's the church who is going to be the defender of our neighbors and stand on their behalf, and the person who has inspired me, and I'm so grateful on this maiden voyage as I'm your guest host, to join us in the second hour, at 27 years of age, he's my hero. I love this guy, and when I heard him speak at an event, and our lives connected. We've been friends ever since, and I never sought this, but by his own admission, he calls me his pastor. I had the privilege to officiate his wedding with he and his beautiful bride, Erica. My guest is—I'm going to say his name, and you're all going to know it, because he's just that cool of a guy, Charlie Kirk. He is the founder of Turning Point USA. Charlie, welcome to the program. How you doing?
2: Honored, Rob. Thank you, and uh, great to be here for your audience. Uh, hanging in there. I got my wisdom teeth pulled a couple of days ago, but I think we're we're making a good recovery, and congratulations on this, Rob. It's great, and uh, thank you for all that you're doing uh, for our country and your wonderful church is doing. It's uh, You are my pastor, and I'll tell you, if we had a thousand Rob McCoys, America would be in a much better place, I'll tell you.
1: Well well charlie i 'll tell you what uh, you may have had your wisdom teeth pulled, but they didn 't take your wisdom at twenty seven years of age and and you, you didn 't go to college I, I consider you autodidactic every time I look at you you 're reading and and i'll you know you 'll hear a term in Christendom, some theological term, and you 'll ask me what is that and i 'll give you a cursory overview of it and then the next day when I see you you 've read an, a number a number of books and you 're teaching me about it and you're bringing this to a new generation, revisiting history. Why is it that you did what you did at 18 years of age when you, you thought your career would be at the military academy, being a military officer, and you took a gap year because you, 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 you felt as though America wasn't a nation to hate, and you started Turning Point. Tell the folks a little bit about that, if you would.
2: Yeah, it's been an amazing experience, and you know God's blessing has been with us every single step of the way. Uh, so I was planning to go to the United States Military Academy at West Point when I was 18 years old, and I um, didn't get in. It was the best thing that never happened to me. <laughs> and then from there, uh, kind of just had this calling to try to do something to save the greatest nation ever to exist in the history of the world, or at least play a little part in it, do something to try to turn things back to what they should be. And so started Turning Point USA uh, in June of 2012, And, you know, fast forward to where we are today, we're on thousands of campuses across the country, well over 165 full-time people on staff, groups in high schools and colleges, reaching millions of people online every single day. And we just launched Turning Point Faith, which is all about just building a coalition for God's idea, which is liberty. Uh, You always say, Rob, it's God's idea, not man's idea, uh, that we might live free, to set the captives free. That is the story of the Bible. That is the story of humanity. That really is the struggle that we're in right now. And so Turning Point Faith and Turning Point USA, which you are the co-chair of Turning Point Faith, Rob, I might mention for the audience, um, is going to hopefully gather and educate uh, and support pastors and churches across the country so they can really kind of follow the Jack Hibbs model and the Rob McCoy model and the model of so many of these other pastors in California and across the country that have stood for righteousness and for liberty against tyranny
1: charlie when when you and i first met and uh now we'd in passing i'd said hello but it was it was at that conservative station uh kind of a convention in ontario california you heard me speak and and i had been introduced to you by my son michael and then we saw each other at liberty university and and from that point on i i didn't think a a guy like you existed a young person so uh, you, you know defending this nation and the goodness of it. And then you didn't think that a pastor like me existed that was also not only a pastor, but also political, that I, had, I was the mayor of the city of Thousand Oaks. And and now God's kind of brought us together serendipitously. And we've watched in this pandemic, or I should just say with the virus and the and the shutdowns, we've watched churches that have risen to contend with tyranny have exploded in growth and and these are folks that are part of our Turning Point Faith across the country. Uh we we got Steve Smotherman in New Mexico. You you've got uh L- Luke Barnett in in Phoenix. You, you got Troy Maxwell. I mean, we're you got Ken Graves up in Maine, Troy Maxwell in North Carolina. And and this was a vision God gave you to bring the two together and and we're watching as as churches are awakening to this where we used to think politics was dirty and that we somehow don't have a role to play. And, and that was you growing up. Those are the churches you went to. You, you thought you were an outsider. Can you share with everyone about that? Yeah, that's
2: right. So I, uh, I used to listen to stations just like KKLA and the suburbs of Chicago, Moody Radio and um, 1160, uh, kind of a partner Salem station there, and kind of the, the, the form of Christianity that I was always told—not uh, the form, but at least the interpretation was no politics ever under any circumstances— You do not stand against tyranny. You do not speak out against evil. Instead, you just proclaim the gospel, and a lot of pastors believe that, um, and little did I know that was an incomplete way of viewing your faith and kind of viewing how you're supposed to be involved in the public square to contend for liberty, which is really and truly a gift from the Lord, and so I met you, Rob, at that event. It was a Salem event, actually, a KTIE event. I remember it uh, a couple years ago, and You know, we met backstage and then I heard you speak and I remember turning and say, This guy's a pastor, he's allowed to say this stuff and we connected and then we kinda hung out in Lynchburg, Virginia on a different project and all of a sudden it kinda hit me, I said, Man, maybe I gotta start to reconsider what I'm doing at Turning Point USA because I'd have pastors tell me all the time, kinda pat me on the head, Oh, yeah, it's great you're doing at Turning Point, but you know, never ever blur that and understand what's happening. In the faith realm and what you're doing in the secular realm, totally different things. I always kind of felt guilty at times, honestly, Rob, that what I was doing was wrong and kind of dirty in the political realm. And you gave me a different view that we're here to contend for the well-being of all humans. And the, that means the type of government, the type of project that we establish in the civil domain. Now, you might not that might not be your passion listening to this as a believer. That might not be something you care a lot about. But you can't say it's unimportant because the scriptures sure say it's important. And Jeremiah twenty nine seven it says, "Demand the peace or the shalom of the city of or the nation of which I've sent you in, because your welfare or the peace or your peace is tied to the city's welfare. Yeah. In its and peace, so you will have peace, right? That yeah, and that's that's part of what we're what we're focusing on. And uh, you know, it's just been a it's been a great friendship, Rob. We're just getting started and. You know, now your son works for us here at Turning Point USA, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun.
1: Well, Charlie, uh, with with what you were describing and how our lives intertwined, and 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 you and I kind of did an in depth study, and and I, I would say you you were far more successful at it than I was. I did a cursory study. I laid out the concept, and then you went deep on it, and I I gleaned from the resources that you had had dug deep to find. And it goes down to Matthew sixteen eighteen when the disciples travel from Galilee north, and it's a long haul with these Jewish boys up to Caesarea Philippi, the headwaters of the Jordan, park-like setting. Every culture that has occupied that region has set up a, a temple to their god or goddess, and it's inundated with it. And in the midst of the cacophony of noise of Romans worshiping Bacchus and Aphrodite, and on and on and on, Jesus turns to these Jewish boys as a, as a rabbi and says who do men say that I am? And in Matthew 16, they go, some say you're Jeremiah, some say, you know, and, and he says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my, and this is where you and I, it was like an epiphany for us. Upon this rock, I will build my, and it's a word that we, we say, we say church, but that didn't come until 400 years later. The word that was translated by Tyndale from the original language into the first English-speaking Bible was Ecclesia, and for translating it correctly, he got hung, and then his remains were burned. Tell everyone what Ecclesia means and why we started to understand that what we're doing isn't wrong, but it's exactly what we need to be doing.
2: Yeah, Ecclesia was a real thing uh, in Jesus's time, and so if you were if you lived in ancient Greece um, amongst the time of Aristotle and Socrates in about 400 BC. And Plato, ecclesia would be a, a rather well-known term. An ecclesia was a place where the citizens of a local community would come and gather, and they would actually fast before their gathering, and they would unite and they would debate uh, around the welfare of the city or the nation or the region or the county of kind of what the best way to proceed is. And over the, two, over the ecclesia, there'd be two words that were always hanging, and that were the two words of what they were trying to aim to achieve, which was isonomia and eleutheria, which are the Greek words for freedom and equality. Um, and so the idea of the ecclesia, as it, as it is written in the Scriptures, we have to understand that the word church is is the English replacement for it, but if we're actually trying to find the the better English term, it's Jesus said, on this rock, build my community gathering point. On this rock, build my community impact center. Public square. Um, and public square, right? And that that challenges some Christians because they think of the Church as separate from that. Uh, Jesus never said that. And Ecclesia, as it is known in the Scriptures, and it was written down, is something completely and totally different. And, Rob, you astutely said, and, and have said that, there very well could have been a different Greek word that was used. That word was was transcribed for a reason. It it could have been synagogue, which is the Greek word for temple or for religious institution. Jesus used ecclesia for a very specific reason, um, or at least as it was transcribed from Aramaic into Greek, because the best-fitting word, as you and I would say, would be you have to impact the local
1: area around you. Well, and, and, and at the conclusion of him saying, upon this rock I'll build my ecclesia, I'll build my public square, I'll build my assembly, he goes on to say that the gates of hell will not prevail, and gates enslave. And, 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 the, and the enemy, the, Satan, hell, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and enslave and they, they will not prevail. And 66 books of the Bible, cover to cover, Christ has come to set the captives free, beginning in Exodus, and, and watching as liberty is defined, as the Apostle Paul said in the in, to the church in Galatia, stand fast therefore in the liberty for which Christ has set you free, writing that in prison, and this idea that as we contend for liberty, mankind will have freedom. And this is the call of the church, but how is it, Charlie, that we got to a place where we've abdicated our responsibility in the public square, and guys like you and me are an anathema, and yet in this season of tyranny, the churches that are bowing to tyranny are, are plummeting in numbers, and the ones that are standing in defiance are exploding with people coming in. Well, largely,
2: Rob, the Church has been able to benefit from the sacrifices of Christians generations prior. It was Jonathan Mayhew and, as you mentioned, Tyndale and Whitfield and Edwards that sacrificed so much that you can have civil society so you're able to have church, you're able to have Easter without government authorities walking through the door. You're able to have Pentecost Sunday up until kind of this last moment, right Rob, This is one of the greatest challenges to religious gathering in Western history yes. during the Chinese coronavirus shutdown, and one of the reasons, Rob, is that it's easy to just focus on churches like a corporate stock price that well what's our what's our buildings how's the how's our budgets doing? Are we increasing baptisms? I think all that's important. I mean, Rob, you could say you've baptized more people than the entire membership of your church in the last eighteen months.
1: Yeah, or well, last six months.
2: If, if you... Right. And so but if you're not if you're not contending for a framework for a type of government that allows you to have church at all whatsoever, or at least creates laws that create habits that create customs that glorify God, then what are you really doing here? And are, are we called to do that? Are we called to be indifferent to the suffering of things that happen around us? And that's absolutely not at all the case. We're, we're supposed to occupy till he comes, to be salt and light, not to just kind of burrow away into the hills and do absolutely nothing as things get, um, as, as they go in the wrong direction. And so, you know, we, we as Christians, we need to do a much better job of understanding what Western civilization actually is, what is unique about it, wh- how the Bible birthed Western society from common law to the independent judiciary, to checks and balances, to an emphasis on dialogue other than force, and so you know many people in the church world I think overthink this, Rob. And so there's really two types of governments, and I've I've come to learn this through lots of lots of reading with you and. And, and other places. There's two types of governments. There's governments where people own the government, and then there's governments where governments own the people. Yeah. And Christians need to be very clear that when you live in a country where the governments own the people, the gospel is not able to spread and righteousness is not able to be glorified.
1: That, Charlie, that's a, that's a perfect insight and a good segue, and, and for those of you who are just tuning in, uh, thanks for joining us at SoCal Live, and, and the folks from KPRZ in San Diego, KKLA right here in Los Angeles, welcome. Our guest is Charlie Kirk, and I am your guest host, Pastor Rob McCoy. Charlie, uh, you, 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 and you, you invoked Jonathan Mayhew. And and John Adams said that he was the minister, Reverend Jonathan Mayhew, he was the minister responsible for the War of Independence, and he died in 1766, but he exegeted Romans 13, and that's the one you and I always get beat up on, that we're supposed to submit to authority and we're in violation of Romans 13, which, by the way, was the number one verse quoted in Nazi Germany to silence the church. But Jonathan Mayhew said, "Yes, we are to submit to authority. They are appointed by God, but they're there for our good." And he went on to say that if they cease to do good, they're no longer the authority. And he coined the term "disobedience to tyrants" as obedience to God. And 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 now here we are in a constitutional republic. And the first three words of the preamble. Will you share with everyone that that insight?
2: Yeah, I mean it, it's it's the greatest it's the greatest movement towards self government in human history and you know, in the preamble to the U.S. Constitution, which you really can't fully understand unless you study the Declaration, which the Declaration and the Constitution, they fit in, in each other lock and key. They're um, they, 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 they are meant for each other, because the Constitution, in the preamble especially, answers almost every single complaint that is given forward in the Declaration. Um, most people don't really spend a lot of time studying the Declaration, but Christians There's a divine component to these documents. Amen. Not only do I believe were they divinely inspired, but they are also they're also very clear about where the ultimate source of their existence comes from. And so, in the Declaration, it says, "One in the course of human events, it, it, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve ties with another." What they're saying is that that's a universal claim. That's an eternal claim. Meaning that at sometimes we, the speaking beings, we the ones made in God's image, we the humans, we have, a, we have a moral right. So they're they're all of a sudden they're not playing they're not playing sideline baseball here. They're getting in the game, yeah. And they're saying we have a moral right to all of a sudden dissolve ties with a tyrant. And it goes on to say the laws of nature and nature's God. They're contending here, and they're saying that this universe that we exist in that there is a rhyme and a rhythm to it, that creation has a creator. Uh, this is all this, this is not just the act of randomness. And it goes on, finally, to say at the end of the Constitution that we appeal this to our divine creator. God is mentioned four times in the Declaration of Independence. And then finally, the Constitution, where the preamble of the Constitution, my favorite way I like to emphasize is secure the blessings of liberty, well, where do you think the Founding Fathers thought blessings came from? Yeah. Did they come from the air, from the trees, from the rivers, the lakes? No, no, they believed blessings came from a Creator, and that it is incumbent for the American citizenry to secure those. So they looked at their role as founders, framers, and quite honestly, the beginners of something great and majestic and beautiful and true, as people that are there to secure things that the Lord gives. Amen. And that's and that that direct verse, right? That, that direct statement is perfectly consistent with Philippians four eight, which Rob, you can share, which Paul tells us that whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, dwell on those things. Medi- meditate on, on these things. things, right? Right. And, and and that's what that's what the founders knew.
1: Well, Charlie, the segment's coming to a close, and I know you gotta go, and I, I, and I know you're not feeling well with having your wisdom teeth pulled. Like I said, they didn't take your wisdom. You, you've blessed us. Uh, and 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 just for the folks out there, if you want to look at Romans 13, think we're in violation because we don't submit to tyranny. We, the people, are the authority. Those who govern, govern by our consent. That's a constitutional republic. And they're violating the Constitution they swore to defend. So as citizens, we have every right to push back. And Charlie, thank you for educating an entire generation of young people with these truths. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. The work you do is amazing. You bless me. Um... I love you as much as a man can love another man and still be a man. You you are a gift. And, and now, go, now go get some rest, and I hope your teeth feel better. And I know you'll be on with us again, but uh, God bless you for all you do, Charlie. Anything you want to say before we close? God bless you, Rob. All right, man. Thank you. All right, talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Well, that was Charlie Kirk, and that's an amazing gift to all of us. So thankful for that man. And uh, we're going to come back with Sean Foyt in the second segment. Uh, This guy's amazing. He is a worship leader and a pastor extraordinaire. Wait till you hear from him. You'll be blessed in what he's doing. Well, welcome back to SoCal Live. I'm Pastor Rob McCoy, your guest host for today and tomorrow. We've had some amazing guests, uh, Dr. Keith Rose, Charlie Kirk. We've got Sean Foyt coming up shortly. Uh, we've got another guest at the end. I'm going to wait a little bit to share with you. And tomorrow we're going to have Governor Mike Huckabee. I'm having a lot of fun doing this. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, and 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 the person we're going to have next, I, I, I love this man. He is fearless. fearless. He has been ostracized, ridiculed, attacked, and that's because he's doing the right thing. And uh, I'll tell you, Sean Foyt has been doing Let Us Worship uh, gatherings all across America, and it began at the Golden Gate Bridge during the lockdown when the governor would say that worship was non-essential, the church was non-essential, and as he began to stand to worship the Lord, because in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a trial, we, we cry out to God, but we are being separated from him. And he was accused of being super spreader events, which just wasn't true, as we're starting to see the, the reality. This virus has a 99.5% survival rate. 70 and older with severe comorbidities are the ones that are in greatest danger, and it's all treatable. And yet it just seems as though we're watching the nation being split by fear. And here this man comes forward, and and perfect love casts out all fear. And that's what I love about this man. He's invited me to join him. On the 20th anniversary of 9-11 in Washington, D.C., he's doing an event there. I want him to tell you about it, and so please welcome my good friend and brother in Christ and fearless warrior for freedom, Sean Foyt. Are you there, buddy?
3: I am. Thank you, Rob. (laughs) Quite the introduction. Sean, can you hear me? Yes, I can. I can hear you. Oh,
1: there you are. That 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 wasn't my fault. I I'm a rookie. I might be a noob at this, but uh the guys pressing the buttons, they just didn't know I couldn't hear anything. Hey, listen, <laughs> and, and they don't let me press buttons because I'll I'll blow the place up. Sean, um <laughs> w- would you share with everybody, would you share with everybody about this event in DC, what inspired it and and also the Let Us Worship events and all that you've been doing. This is your segment. You just run with it. Tell everybody.
3: Yeah, I mean we're just so excited. We're we're you know coming up on last night here we we're in a Clearwater, Florida, Tampa area. This a our 135th city that we've been to and brought the Let Us Worship movement to and we're coming back to Washington D.C. and you know this is uh this is our second time back to D.C. last year in October a few days before the election we had the largest church service in America mm. in 2020. And on the mall, the National Mall in Washington, D.C. And this year, we believe that it's just even going to increase. And so, you know, we had no idea, Rob, that, uh, you know, when we were trying to file and find dates for these gatherings, we had no idea that uh, the Park Service would only give us one option. And the option for the dates they gave us was September 11th and 12th. Wow. Which initially, I wanted it in October, I wanted it in August. Um, but they said September 11th, the 12th. And I just thought, I can't believe these guys don't have anything planned for the 20 year anniversary. That was the first thought through my mind. Yeah. But then, you know, I didn't know at the time, you know, that we would go through this situation with Afghanistan and that we would go through this crisis of Crazy. leadership and all the issues that would happen. And it really feels like a God set up, like... We're supposed to be on the mall on Saturday and Sunday this weekend worshiping pray uniting America because God is the only hope for our nation. Amen. And uh we just I just feel so privileged and and really just uh, you know honored that we get the chance, we have the permit, we get the opportunity to host God's presence there on the most sacred real estate in America.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Sean, you, when you put on an event, it's resplendent. You had me come to the New Year's Eve event here in I think it was Santa Clarita, uh, and and it was cold and and yet the the stage and the the, the 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 engineers and the folks that were putting it all together, you don't do a half-baked program. I mean, you go all out and and the Oh, the, yeah. And and and, the, and, mean, and your your musicians are the finest in the country. And I want to share this last part and then jump with it. You, you you go everywhere where everyone runs from. You go to you you went up to Portland into the, the into Chaz, and you were going into the thick of of Antifa, and you had musicians that wouldn't join you. Of course, you know Russian and Ukrainian immigrants did because they've seen the end of they know how this story ends. They've seen it before, and right. they're contending for liberty. They joined you. And where, you know, you've, you've, you've faced opposition, you've had blood thrown at you. I mean, talk to everybody and, and take it, because they, they need to hear what's happening.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for 20 years, I, I my history, a little bit of my history is I spent 20 years in uh, closed and persecuted nations of the world. So, you know, in Iraq, I was in Afghanistan right after nine I've been in North Korea, Saudi Arabia. You know, the Lord's really sent us into some of the darkest and hardest places, and you know, we've learned a lot from the underground church in these countries. We've learned how to persevere. We've learned how to battle. I mean, these guys risk their very lives, you know, to gather together and worship. And, um, you know, and, and, and I had no idea that those same principles and strategies that we would apply in America, I mean, it, you know, just blew my mind as, as well as it probably does so many of you listening that... You know, worship would essentially be illegal in nations in our country, and that cities would start to burn and there would be rioting and chaos. And so I really felt like in 2020, when everything closed down, I had about 20, I had about 30 international trips planned because we do a lot of missions around the world. Right. We have long term mission teams even today in the Middle East. And um, I really felt like that God was calling us to focus on America. And so, you know, essentially we took worship, you know, which, you know, not just the religious form of singing songs and, and praying as it's a, a religious thing, but really believing that God inhabits the praises of his people, as it says, that he sits enthroned, you know, and that heaven moves on behalf of those who wait for him. You know, you have the story of Paul and Silas, you know, in the Bible, in imprisoned and in, in the, the jail breaking open. You have Jehoshaphat worshiping as the Midianite army uh, approaches, and and God sends ambushes. You have so many stories throughout the Bible and revival history of, of things changing because of worship and prayer, and so we really felt like God was calling us to do that across America. I just had no idea that there would be such resistance, you know, and that, you know, we would have enemies, and it, friends would turn against us, and we would feel like wow, this is so crazy! I, I can't believe that people aren't awake and alive and understanding that there's a a spiritual battle that is being waged. And so, anyway, you know, we 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 went to those cities. You know, we went to Portland at the height of it all when they were burning copies of of the Bible on, you know, the court court. Courthouse steps, and you know, seven thousand Christians showed up in Portland. We went to Seattle and to Chop the Autonomous Zone with Antifa. You know, the last time we were in D.C., we had Satanists dump blood on our on our team. And I mean, we we experienced. And then, of course, you have the crazy mayors and governors and and those people that you know try to do everything they can. Of course, they're okay with the, You know, they're okay with um, you know with strip clubs being open, but the church is the danger to society and. So you know we faced all that kind of resistance, but yet at the same time, Rob, what's encouraged me is I've I've, I've really encountered a fearless and bold church. There's a remnant out yeah. there, you know, that refuses to bow their knee. There's a remnant out there that refuses to cower in fear. There is a church, man, that is standing up and that was is willing to worship and persevere. That's going to go against the mob, you know, mentality. Go against cancel culture. They're not afraid and. So in one sense I'm surprised at our journey and, and in another sense I'm, I'm actually really encouraged you know that we you know last year we had 35,000 people there in the mall this year I'm hoping we're going to have a lot more but
0: you well, know just the
3: fact that I'm hoping I'm hoping we- for
1: I'm hoping for 100,000 that that's I'm I'm believing for that and and I'm honored that you'd invite me and I'm going to be there with you on 911 um and, and and I we're limited on time but I wanted to do this with you Sean that as you've, if you, as you've been standing, you're watching a, an awakening and a current revival. Antifa members coming to Christ, people throwing their yeah. drugs up on the stage. This isn't Come just on. people singing, but it's 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 a radical move of the Lord. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. you have faced, and and this is what this is what Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said. I don't know what's worse, the voice of my enemies or the silence of my friends. And, and yet, even in spite of being beat up on both sides, nothing deters you, and here you are, close with telling everybody about D.C., promote it, and tell folks how they can support what will be the largest worship gathering at the Capitol on the 20th anniversary of 9-11.
3: Yeah, man, we would love for you guys to come. Of course, we would. Anybody that wants to get grab a last minute plane ticket. I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. We have some really amazing surprises. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, you can also stream it on uh, YouTube, on Facebook. You can go to Sean Foyt again. That's F E U C H T. You can also watch it on Daystar. It's going to be live on Daystar, broadcast across America. You can go to LetUsWorship.us if you want to. Help us pay pay for this. Help us put it on. Support our ministry. I just wrote a check for ninety four thousand dollars for the dance floor. I call it the dance floor. It's actually turf coverage <laughs> for yeah. the mall. Yeah, and uh, the turf coverage alone is ninety four thousand. So these things aren't cheap to they're, do. They're but not. We just feel like they're.
1: Yeah, they're not cheap, and you, you we, folks, you got to support this. We, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, Sean, but we got 30 seconds. And I just, I want everyone to know this is going to be a move of God's spirit at a critical juncture in wow. the history of our nation. God's using you. You keep it up. You bless me. I love you. Thank you, bro. and and folks, you support too. this ministry, Sean. God bless you, man, and I'll Thank see you. you in DC. 911. All right, man. All right. Well, that was Sean Foyt. And thank you for joining us on this segment. And on the last segment, I've got a special guest and, and prolific author, major in the military, cool dude. Where do you meet him? Stick around. We'll see you in a bit. Well, thanks for joining us on SoCal Live. I'm your guest host, Pastor Rob McCoy of God Speak Church in Thousand Oaks, California. We've had a wonderful two hours. We began with uh, Dr. Keith Rose, and we had uh, Charlie Kirk, Sean Foyt. We've had some amazing guests. We've been blessed today, but we're going to close up the day uh, with someone that I've never had the privilege to meet in person, but through a friend of mine, Bryce Eddy, I was introduced to uh Colonel Kurt Schlichter, and you got to be careful how you say the last name, but I did start doing some reading after uh, Bryce told me about him. He is a a town hall senior columnist, retired Army colonel, and interestingly enough, he understands the troubles of communism. His wife is a Cuban communist refugee. They live in Manhattan Beach. They've got a little 8-year-old boy, and he is a prolific author, uh, written six books. And the interesting thing about these books is it's a dystopian America where he has this idea of it's divided between red and blue. And I, I mean, it's almost prophetic what he's got here. Uh, Colonel, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're probably knee deep in the Afghanistan stuff. What, what's on your your heart in relation to all that's transpiring there, especially with this administration and all that we're dealing with?
4: Well, Pastor thanks for having me on. It's uh you know always uh uh, uh it, 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 it's i do a lot of uh, uh christian shows and it's always kind of amusing for me because you know i'm the guy who stomped out of the methodist church because i thought they were too weak <laughs> and um uh, you know and and, and it was it, you know i I have this reputation as loud and aggressive and and, and nasty and mean and everything and I, I think it's a real pleasure to come, be able to come someplace where I can uh, you know be a little more uh what 's the, what's the right word reflective and yeah, i think civil
1: uh, yeah one of those two I know.
4: <laughs> yeah i think Afghanistan takes uh, requires some reflection now i didn 't serve there I served in desert storm I went to kosovo twenty seven years in the army commanded at the battalion uh, level w commanded at the brigade level uh, I was a uh, uh, a War College graduate, so I'm kind of looking at it from the outside. Sure, I'm not having a lot of the same feelings a lot of the guys who actually went there and bled there did.
0: Um,
4: and it, it, it's it's got to be tough for them. But I think it's tough for all Americans because what we're seeing here is a disaster of uh, epic proportions, uh, brought on by a uh, an elite and an establishment culture that uh... has lost any kind of moral bearing any kind of moral standing we don't even have to get to the intellectual failures these are just bad people and they're doing bad things, and people are getting hurt because of it. Sure. And to watch it play out is uh, uh, very distressing, and it's got to be super distressing to the folks who fought there.
1: Colonel, when, when you pointed out your years of service, and by the way, thank you for that, 27 years oh, serving. Oh, come on. I was
4: a colonel. You know I didn't do anything.
1: Uh, well, my dad was a Navy captain, and, and as, a, as his son, he was always gone, and I know he worked hard, and the, your family sacrifices. So, yeah, no, I disagree with you. Uh, You did do a lot. Thank you. Now, that being said, um, you're you're looking at at men and women, PTSD, they're struggling, and they come back from these theaters of war and the the things they fought for. My my dad had three tours of Vietnam, and I shared earlier uh, just the devastation of watching a nation he contended for falling and seeing helicopters coming off of the embassy, people clinging to them. And we were told by the administration that would never be the case and as a christian pastor contending for a nation that our military personnel would be would 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 be uh, encouraged and blessed to fight for because I, I as a pastor i want to make the nation worth defending I, I, only a moral people can govern a republic, and, and God gave us that First Amendment freedom of religion so that a moral people could be established to contend for truth.
4: That that is the key truth we're talking about here. If, you, if no one takes anything away from our little conversation here, that those last things that you just said are the most important things that will be said
1: today. Elaborate. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: What we have here in America, uh, Pastor Rod, is is an exception. It is not the rule uh, because people have fallen short. But there was an experiment here on the American continent where where people took uh, not only lessons from history, but lessons from the Bible, from Judeo-Christian heritage, and put them into action. No other culture on Earth until ours, recognized the key fact that, you know, they kind of hinted at it, they got around it, some of them did, some of them did a little bit of it, but they never really understood that uh, uh, man is created in God's image, man is created with certain inalienable rights. They're not up to a vote. You don't get them only when they're reasonable. You don't, they don't come with responsibilities. They are rights. And they are inherent in everyone who has been created. And that's what the United States was about. But to do that, to make that work, you need a people who strives to be worth what they were given. Right. And frankly, we've fallen short. Look at our culture. I mean, you know, it's (laughs) – you just kind of shake your head looking at these people, especially – uh, if you've had the chance to live overseas or have experience with people living overseas. Because, you know, I've seen it uh, uh, serving in other places. Yeah, I'm just a nice suburban California guy.
1: With a cool dog?
4: Yeah, with a cool dog who won't <laughs> shut up.
1: It's all right. He has got something the to say.
4: The dog has no right of free speech. You're a dog! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh it, you know, and, 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 and this what we have here isn't normal, and it's, it's heartbreaking to see it's squandered. People treat this like it doesn't matter, like it doesn't exist, like it's nothing special, and like it can't go away in a heartbeat, but we know it can. And, of course, there are people who want to take it away all the time. There are, You know, it, it's funny. I'll, I, I'll, I'll be lectured to people about rice. And, you know, I'm also a trial lawyer. Right. So, you know, I, I did constitutional law. But they, they, they will invent rights. And I will ask them, where did you get this right? And hemming and hawing and hawing. And I'm like, what? I know where I got the right to free speech. I was created with it. That's right. I just have it. Well, you, you, you can't just have it. No, no, I, I just have it. I have it because God gave it to me. God does not give you a right to say a minimum income,
1: right? okay? Yeah.
4: You know, you, you, that, that, that's not one of them. And, you know, they're, they're, they're baffled because they, if well, you don't have any moral framework in America, sadly, it's, it's morally illiterate.
1: Country. Well, as John Ad- don- John Adams said, only a moral people can govern a republic. Well, yeah. And 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 when you took the oath of office, uh, joining the United States military, the Army, a- and you swore to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Yep. And the critical nature of that Constitution, the seven articles and the twenty-seven amendments, is that y- you're going to possess a weapon. And, and a government that turns its weapons on its people is dangerous, and that's why you are constrained by those seven articles. And we, the people, are the sovereign, and and we hold you accountable that when you don't do it, it is our right and our duty to push back. And we're watching yes. the, the, the government being almost weaponized against the people that we're looking at medical apartheid and separation, and the church has to rise up and say, no, these are inalienable rights, and rights like muscles, if not exercised, you're going to lose them. Would that be well, a fair that's, assessment? That,
4: that, that, that's absolutely correct. That's why I've been so. Because, you know, I was raised mainstream uh, Methodist church, and I left. Because they lost their way. They refused to stand up against the culture where necessary. What good is a church that just claps its hands and nods its head, like the audience for Stephen Colbert? on late night.
1: It's like a TED Talk with music. Bingo. Yeah.
4: You, you, look, I don't want to come off as, you know, the best Christian ever, because I'm sure not. But I do know enough that you don't go to church to be told what you want to hear. You go to church to be told what you need to hear. Well, that's and like... the churches need to be telling us what we need to hear. And that goes for conservatives, too. Sometimes, look, I, I can be very I, – I get very angry when I see, you know, junkies standing on the street. Yeah. But is that the only answer? Am I not supposed to have uh, uh, some love in my heart for people who are hitting bottom, even though I'm angry? Right. You know, the church needs to be going, Kurt, you can demand stuff of people, but, you know, you you also –
1: you have to be. A, to, you have to be part of the solution to it as well. You have
4: to be part of the solution.
1: Well, we're. we're you know, we're, anger
4: is not enough. Church has to tell. Religion has to tell you things you don't necessarily want to hear. Otherwise, it's just uh, you know, uh, a little chorus that uh, sings whatever song you want to hear, and that is, that's what the pagan religion <laughs> that yeah. is modern liberalism is. Well, they uh, have this giant hole where yeah. God should be, and they fill it up with nonsense like climate change and weird pronouns.
1: And, and that's where we are in, in the sense that there's the, the secular progressive left and then the, the, the church itself, believers. We're in contention for where rights come from, and, and I, we're limited on time, but I, I, how do folks follow you? Town, town Hall or, or – uh,
4: uh, Follow me on Twitter. Okay. Uh, understand that sometimes I'm a little salty.
1: Yeah, that's all right. That's
4: not your taste. There are plenty of people who are. Uh, I write on town hall. Again, sometimes I get aggressive. That's who I am. I got you. Uh, I write my books, uh, starting with People's Republic. They're fun novels, but I think they have a message about what can happen in America. I used to be a stand-up comic, too, so I'm trying to mix the whole war college thing with being amusing. Well, th- uh, th- then we're going uh, well, we're, we're to
1: we're gonna have to leave it at that because I'm, I'm coming to a hard break here. I will say thank you for joining us, Colonel. Uh, it, it's been in, insightful, and there's lots more to come. Tomorrow we'll be with Governor Huckabee. I've nice. enjoyed being your guest host here on SoCal Live. And, folks, tomorrow at Governor Huckabee, we've got more. It's going to be an amazing time. Thank you, Colonel, for being with us. God bless you all. This is Rob McCoy from God Speak Church, your guest host on SoCal Live.